Welcome to Creepy Pasta Theater, a show where we explore the strange world of creepy pasta and urban legends. Join us as we hear tales best left untold, travel roads best left unexplored, and see sights best left unseen. As the year 2020 draws to a close, I think it's appropriate to assume that this year, in some ways, was almost like a real-life creepypasta. So what better time is there than to take a look at my list of the top 10 most disturbing creepypasta. Creepypasta are interesting because they come in many different styles. Some are suspenseful. Some are well-woven tales of supernatural terror. Some creepypasta, like the Gas Station Jack series, even have a touch of humor. But some pasta are downright horrifying. Today, we will be taking a look at my list of the creepy pasta that I feel are more disturbing than the average story. These stories are commonly available on many different websites, podcasts, and YouTube channels, so feel free to check them out. But as a warning, these stories often feature graphic descriptions of extreme violence and unpleasant subjects. So you might not want to, unless you have a strong stomach. Number 10. Dear Scammer. This short tale is about a man who gets out of prison and falls for a scam that takes the last of his money. In order to get revenge, the man finds out where the scammer lives and arranges for a friend of his from prison to kidnap the scammer's three daughters. After witnessing the scammer on the news, pleading for the return of her children, he writes her a letter informing her of the fate of her offspring. The two younger girls are sold off for their organs, but he assures her that they didn't feel any pain. He also comments about how his oldest daughter was really pretty, and how there are now lots of men who would be eager to pay for some time with her. This one makes a list because of its realism and the fact that it deals with one of the most disturbing things of all, the murder and exploitation of children. Number 9. Playpen Playpen tells the story of a woman named Clara who works with the FBI to shut down websites involved with illegal activities involving children. A noble cause to be certain. She stops by a local bar after assisting in the takedown of a particularly active site. The narrator finds an unattended laptop, and upon opening it, is surprised to see that it addresses her by name. She begins chatting with a mysterious individual who offers to give her a chance to fight the evil she has encountered on the dark web 
and gives her the location of a man named David who escaped the bust she had helped facilitate. Clara tracks the man down as instructed and brutally tortures him into giving her the name and address of his accomplice. After killing David, she notices the webcam on his computer recorded the whole thing. The mysterious individual from the unattended laptop congratulates her for putting on a great show. She then realizes that she had been convinced to torture and murder a man for a red room. The mysterious individual informs Clara that she works for them now. And as long as she plays along, they will make sure that none of her co-workers at the FBI ever find out about her activities. I like this one because it does deal with the topic of red rooms, something which there is some debate as to whether they actually truly exist or not. And it's disturbing because, again, of course, it deals with the tragic subject of exploitation of children. Yet at the end of this story, although we realize that Clara has been manipulated into torturing and murdering a man for profit, we can't help but see in our in our hearts to forgive her for this crime and show no sympathy towards her victim. Number 8. Five Years in Hell This creepypasta tells the story of a woman whose life takes a turn for the worse. After making several mistakes at work, she loses her job. Her fiancé leaves her for her best friend, and she is no longer able to find any joy in life. She decides to commit suicide by jumping off of a building. However, the fall does not kill her, and when she is able to move again, she is pursued by horrible monsters and is forced into hiding. Upon emerging, the narrator sees corpses shambling towards a hole in the ground. She tries to flee, but is pushed towards a hole by a metal fence. She feels an electrical shock, and when she wakes up, she is in the hospital. The doctors inform her that she was in a terrible accident and was dead for a few moments. The narrator ends the story by warning you that if your life is going really badly, there's a good chance that you may be dead and on your way to hell. So this one makes the list because I think it's very relatable. Personally, there have been times in my life when things were going wrong, and even the activities that once brought me happiness did nothing to improve my mood. This story makes you think about those bad times. I also like how it pictures the realization that you are in hell as a gradual process, and that is what it makes it so disturbing. Number 7. Dear Abby 
Dear Abby is a story about a woman who is pursued by a stalker. The man insists the two of them are destined to be together. The stalker even goes so far as to break into her house and fix all the pictures by taping his face over the face of Abby's boyfriend. The stalker eventually kidnaps Abby and locks them both in a storage unit. After the stalker produces a knife, Abby manages to disarm him and kill her stalker. But the stalker dies satisfied because he knows that the two of them will finally be together even if it is in death. I put this one on the list for the same reason as Dear Scammer. Fairly realistic as far as creepypasta goes and depicts events that could conceivably happen. Number 6. A Real Wisconsin Winter This creepypasta tells a story about a college student named Ian from California. He shares a room with a student from Wisconsin named Jeff. One year, Jeff invites Ian to spend winter break with him, inviting him to experience a real Wisconsin winter and taunts him because he doesn't think he'll be able to handle the cold. Ian accepts, and Jeff takes him to his hometown of Plainfield. The two drive 15 hours to Jeff's house, a small home in the middle of nowhere heated only by a fireplace. Jeff mentions Plainfield's most famous resident, Ed Gein, before inviting him to his room. Ian is shocked to find that Jeff's room was an unpleasant-smelling basement with a dirt floor and a dog crate. Jeff then proceeds to gleefully show Ian the various items that he made from the body parts of his dead relatives. At gunpoint, Jeff forces Ian to put on a dress made from the skin of his parents. Ian survives the ordeal, but Jeff disappears and is never seen again. If you've ever seen The Silence of the Lambs, you can certainly understand why this one is disturbing, as it draws inspiration from a real-life person who committed horrific acts. Number 5 Every summer, my neighbor built a new scarecrow. This one is about a boy who grows up on a farm with not much to do except explore the nearby woods in his free time. One summer day, he is exploring the forest and comes across a scarecrow in a clearing. Unlike most scarecrows, the feet are buried in the ground. The boy is amazed at how lifelike the scarecrow is and he swears he even sees its chest move in and out, almost as if it is slowly breathing. When he comes back to visit the clearing later in the summer, he notices that the scarecrow seems to have decayed a bit. The next year, he notices a new scarecrow, and notices that there's a new one every summer. Eventually, the boy grows older and moves out of town. 
One day, while visiting his parents, they tell him that their neighbor died and the police discovered his dark secret, that he would kidnap an unfortunate person, inject them with drugs to paralyze them, and set them up as a scarecrow and try to keep them alive as long as possible until they died. Even worse, the police discovered several dozen bodies buried on the neighbor's property. Now I admit, the ending for this story was predictable, but the thought of someone being paralyzed and forced to die slowly is downright horrifying. Number 4 Cupcakes The innocent-sounding name of this creepypasta hides the horrors it describes. Cupcakes is a story that takes place in the My Little Pony universe, specifically the one based on the cartoon series Friendship is Magic. Pinkie Pie invites her friend Rainbow Dash to her home and gives her a cupcake laced with drugs. When Rainbow Dash wakes up, she finds herself strapped to a table. Pinkie Pie proceeds to slowly and graphically mutilate her friend, revealing to Rainbow Dash that this is not the first time she has done this. When you think of stories involving dismemberment, My Little Pony is probably not the first thing that comes to mind, which is what makes this one so disturbing. But what creeps me out about this one is the graphic detail in which it is written and how Pinkie Pie injects Rainbow Dash with adrenaline to keep her awake and alive as long as possible. Number 3. The Ronald McDonald House most of us think of the Ronald McDonald House in a positive light. Its purpose is to provide support and assistance for the families of sick children. But this creepypasta tells of a different type of Ronald McDonald House. This one is for poorly behaved orphans who are kicked out of one too many foster homes. The narrator of this story is one such child. As he puts it, a bad kid. His caseworker gives him a choice. Military school or the Ronald McDonald House. He chooses the second option as what could be bad about a, an organization named after a fast food mascot. Once there, he is forcefully subdued by orderlies and clown masks and injected with drugs that knock him out. When the narrator wakes up, he finds himself in a padded cell with his backpack, a hospital gown, and nothing else. He looks in his backpack and sees his photo album. As he pages through the album, he sees pictures of all his former foster families and his caseworker, all of them brutally murdered along with a note that says, You never existed. The narrator reaches into his backpack and uses a set of carefully hidden lockpicks to escape his prison. 
As he tries to escape from the facility, he finds a room of crucified children as well as piles of corpses. The narrator eventually escapes to find himself in the middle of nowhere with a McDonald's restaurant nearby. He finds a laptop and realizes there is only one thing he can do. And that is to type out his story. This is a gruesome tale, though it does have a couple of faults. First, you have to wonder how long the narrator was unconscious since the people who imprisoned him apparently had time to track down and murder every foster family he ever stayed with before he woke up. The caseworker also mentioned that she has referred children to this organization before, which makes you wonder why she was only murdered after signing over the narrator. Number 2. Better Films This creepypasta tells the story of a man investigating an urban legend in the film industry known as Better Films. Supposedly, they make the most horrifying films imaginable. Representatives from this company often show up sporting hideous disfigurements, including missing fingers and facial scars and injuries that have not healed properly. During the process of looking up information on better films, the man treats the narrator, his own sister, with utter contempt and disrespect, even putting her into her own uniquely terrifying situation just to get a chance to talk to the people behind better films. Eventually, the filmmaker succeeds in making contact and is invited to the set of a better film's production. He never returns, and sometime later the narrator receives a VHS tape in the mail. She pops it into her VCR and sees several images of her and her brother during their investigation. A message appears saying, We make documentaries too! The last scene shows her disfigured and scarred brother being tortured, begging for someone to help him. The narrator simply replies, No brother, I won't, and burns the tape. So the moral of this story is quite clear. Be careful what you wish for, because sometimes you just might get it. And the number one most disturbing creepypasta, 1999. 1999 is a story about a man recalling his childhood in Caledon, Ontario, in Canada. He recalls seeing bizarre shows on a local public access station featuring a character named Mr. Bear and the children in his basement. The narrator recalls being offered an opportunity to be on the show, but when his father, who suspected it was just a normal kid's show, drops him off, they instead find the house swarming with police. Years later, the narrator begins to investigate his childhood memories and details his findings on a blog. 
he receives various emails from people claiming to be Mr. Bear, with some threats and others with just bizarre messages. The narrator is eventually able to track down one of the officers who was investigating the crime scene. The detective informs him of a series of tapes, both of the TV show itself and some of the things that were happening behind the scenes. Over time, the narrator is allowed to view the tapes, leading him to a horrifying revelation. All of the children who appeared on the show were drugged by Mr. Bear and burned alive in a pit as a sacrifice to Satan. The narrator has a hard time coping with this, as he realizes that not only did several young children lose their lives, but he could have been one of them. I find this one disturbing because, of course, it deals with the horrible subject of the exploitation and murder of children, and also in which the way it is written, how the narrator gradually uncovers all this information until he truly realizes what happened in Caldon, Ontario in the year 1999. We also realize that Mr. Bear was never arrested and brought to trial for his crimes. So for all we know, he's still out there looking to lure more children to their deaths. You have been listening to a presentation of Eclectic Media Podcasts. Visit our website at www.eclecticmediaproject.com and check out our publishing arm at www.poigamestudio.com. Find us on Twitter, Scott at EMP underscore Scott, Al at POI Game Studio, and Chad at Chad EMP. You can also find Eclectic Media Project and Point of Insanity Game Studio on Facebook as well. Listen to all of our podcasts on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Spotify. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to bringing you more entertaining and thought-provoking content.